Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be with remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased. We'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. senses and challenge your beliefs a world where science and religion clash or do they you will meet real people and hear real stories but you will not believe you will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds but you will not believe this is the new england ghost project welcome with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Morning. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Don't be so stuff. Uh, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles El Nacho. And I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper. Oh, wait a minute. I'm not Van Helsink anymore. I am now 27 cents. It's about what it's worth. I, I okay. you know, I, 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 my name's, you know, it's, it's fallen behind. I'm getting more uh, hip, you know, happening. Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. <laughs> Oh, and my God. She is the blonde bombshell, and Carrigan, and welcome to the show. And here Thank we are. This is our ninth show, right? It is our ninth show, yes. So do you like 27 yes. cents? No. You know, you know, 50 cent, right? Yeah. Well, I figured I, I had 27 cents in my in pocket, pocket. So, you know, so that's what it was. So. Okay. All right, so maybe I won't go with that. And anyways. I got 27 cents and a microphone. No. You're listening to Ghost Chronicles on Touchinet, Pararex, Ghost Channel, Planet Paranormal, your TuneIn app, your Ghost Chronicles app, your We're podcast, your iTunes, and perhaps in your Ghost Box or yes. Radio Shack thingy. But and anyway, so um, anyways, this is our ninth show, right? Yes. Okay, that's what we got to. Eight, We've established that it's our ninth show. Eight has disappeared. 
but <laughs> we we are looking for it, right? We'll find it. Yeah, we'll anyway. find it. It's out there somewhere. So we're talking about um, haunted items tonight, which I'm really excited about. It and, is. And, it know, is an exciting topic. It is. It's, I think everybody has a story about. I know you do. A haunted item. I have I one. Know, I, know. I, I don't personally have one, but I, it's a family member. But uh, really? yeah, I think uh, it's a really common thing that affects a lot of people. Well, we're going to talk to our so guest a little bit later that. on, but uh, I think right now we have something that we play every time, and this is, this, you know, people don't realize that all the work that Anne puts in on these these That's little right. whatever they are that she does, um, but th they're really cool, and for <laughs> those who like cemeteries, and who doesn't, right? I, I don't know anybody who doesn't right, like cemeteries. Exactly. Um, they're pretty cool. So, anyways, without further ado, why don't, why don't you introduce it? Uh, yes. We would like to roll our cemetery clipping, cemetery tripping clip. Thank you, Russ. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I will feature a different cemetery in each episode that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avid taphophile, or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. I was fortunate to be in the Cape Cod town of Brewster, Massachusetts recently and found a wonderful colonial-era graveyard that I would like to share with you today. This cemetery is identified in a number of ways, including the Old Burying Ground, Ancient Cemetery, and First Parish Cemetery. It is located in back of the First Parish Church on the corner of Breakwater and Main Streets. This burial ground is a perfect example of early Puritan carvings featuring many different variations of death's heads. Many also feature the signs of mortality typical of the time, such as hourglasses and crossed bones. One of the very first stones that caught my attention was that of Benjamin Bangs, Esquire, featuring a weeping goddess, flying winged cherubs, and a cupid-like angel. This is rather an unusual stone for the era of this cemetery, although he did die in 1814, when American symbolism was beginning to change. Other notable stones of this cemetery include Joshua Banks. This young man was lost at sea at age 23, most likely a crew member on a ship. He shares a stone with little Mary Banks, who died at the age of six months. The grave of Jonathan Freeman bearing both an hourglass and crossbones above a death's head. An interesting inscription for two-year, one-month-old John Simpkins, son of the Reverend John Simpkins, which reads, lovely in life, pleasant in death. The stone of Sparrow Clark, which is shared with his brother Nathaniel Clark, sons of Captain Solomon Clark, tells us that poor Sparrow was killed by lightning on April 23, 1817, in latitude 40.30 degrees, longitude 60 degrees. Nathaniel died in Pensacola, West Florida, at age 28 in 1811. Captain Elkanah Freeman, described on his Sons of the American Revolution flag holder as privateersman, prison ship martyr. Captain Tully Foster, a sea captain who died at sea in 1828 at age 38. 
Captain Samuel Thatcher also died at sea on December 23, 1793, at age 42. Captain Nathan Gorham lost at sea on his passage from Boston to Mobile in February 1842, aged 31. I was happy with the preservation efforts that I saw at this very old cemetery, with frames built around many of the stones to keep them from breaking. Although some have irreparable damage, it is often unavoidable with stones that are over 300 years old. If you happen to be in the area of Brewster on your way to the beach this summer, I hope you will stop by and say hello to the many sea captains of the ancient cemetery. There we are. And Fabulous yeah. cemetery. Yeah, and we're back, right? Yes, we are back. <laughs> what? Ron promises he's not going to babble anymore. I don't babble. I, I talk very <laughs> articulate about different things, and, okay. and I can articulate about what we got going next. And All right. We have in this very studio uh, in East Bridgewater, the haunted East. What happened to my hat? Oh, it wow. just appeared on your head. It just appeared. Must be haunted. Must be. Uh, we we have somebody who knows all about haunted items because he has written a book right. about haunted items. Okay. Is it called haunted? Oh, excuse me, haunted objects, and he is none other than the star of Spooky South Coast, a legend tripping specialist and all around good guy, buff paranormal investigator, Tim Weisenberg or something. Right. Tim Weisberg. Weisberg. Sorry, <laughs> it's close enough. And, and Welcome. Thank you for having me. Look over here. Pay attention. Got his book. <laughs> That's it's one of the few books in my library there that I have to. There's your book. There it is. It's one of the few books in my personal paranormal library that I have to turn sideways so I can't see the front cover. <laughs> it freaks me out. It's that and communion. It is. You know the cover of communion with the big gray alien. I have to kind of turn those so really? I don't see them. So I mean, so it doesn't look at you. It is a very it's, creepy it's cover. It's a creepy cover. It reminds me of Did so you Should I just Vanna White this whole thing? Like throughout the whole show, should I just keep you know? Yeah. Price is writing it. Did yeah. Did you choose that cover? Or did uh, choose no, that's from the publisher. Oh. We Evidently, you've never published a book in, huh? Uh, apparently not. We submitted a, a few photographs, mm -hmm. but. They also had a, a stockpile built up of creepy pictures that they wanted to use. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we didn't have any say in the cover. We were really worried about what they were going to do with the cover. And then when we saw it, we're like, oh, okay, this oh, works. Oh, that'll do. That will get attention. That'll do. You know, it's interesting because most people don't realize that. They think when you write a book, you have to say about everything, which is not true. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, if you look like even on the TV now, they're advertising how you can, we'll help you publish a book. Mm -hmm. And we'll even get the title for you and put the cover work. <laughs> in other words, they do that anyways, and the, the reason right. they do that is it's so that they know better than you, and they know it sells. So that's the purpose of it. Yeah, when I wrote my first book, Ghosts of the South Coast, it was part of a series uh, from the History Press, so they actually used the same type of cover mm -hmm. for every one. So they just wanted to take a, the creepiest picture that I had had, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then they darken it up, and they had a giant moon in the background. And if you look at every title in the series, they all have that giant moon in the background. So mm -hmm. I was a little worried that this was going to look like that, kind of fit in with the rest of the, the uh -huh. books on the shelf, but this really stands out. I mean, I've walked in, and this was in bookstores everywhere, so if I walked into a bookstore... I go into their new age paranormal section and I'd see it sticking out and I said, all right, now I see why they went with what they went with. That would be, I would be really drawn to that. If I, if I walked into a bookstore and I saw that, I would yeah, have to look at that book. they don't always put them this way. They put them this way sometimes, well, too. Whatever. But when it looks like that, they'll, they'll put it I would out. have to go see that book. Although some, some people are afraid of dolls and they'll just walk the other way. <laughs> this is true. Ah, uh, yeah. Speaking about dolls. I know. Mm. Yes. What it, tell us about this, really. Well, you have your first. creepy we'll doll. We'll get into the creepy All stuff right. that I have. Okay. We have to wait. Including this creepy hat. 
that yep. makes me look so good. Yes, mm. it's stunning. Stunning. Yeah. <laughs> it's really a. That's that's really good. I get stunning. Tell. So Tim, I mean, why haunted objects? Uh, you know, I mean, you written you written a book. You written a book. Spooky South Coast, right? Uh, so, goes to the South Coast. There yeah. you go. So close. Spooky South Coast is your radio show, right. which, which you can listen to when? Uh, Saturday nights, 10 to midnight, or anytime on podcasts. Podcasts, of course. And uh, so there's a lot of books out there about haunted places, mm -hmm. but there are very few about haunted objects. So why did you get into haunted objects? Actually, we were, all, we were all, you could almost say we were commissioned to write this book. Mm -hmm. uh, it was originally a project that was pitched to Jeff Belanger. And he tried, he tried to pass it off to Chris Balzano. And Chris Balzano said, well, Tim, why don't you write it? And then when I started to discuss things, uh, we decided it would work better if Chris and I tackled it together. Cool. Because at the time, we were both in kind of a transitional phase of our uh, feelings toward the paranormal. We were both trying to get away from the hardcore scientific investigation and get back into the story. And so we thought that this would be kind of the perfect vehicle for us to get back into why we first got interested in paranormal things to begin with, mm -hmm. which is really just to, to hear that good, creepy story. And so by doing that, we were able to compile them all together. And we made a rule right at the beginning. It doesn't matter if it's true. Mm -hmm. It only matters if the person who's telling us the story believes that it's true. All right. Belinda's always pressed that. Right, yeah. He always has. That's always been his dogma or a, a doctrine. That and and that's, that's why, you know, he's, he's taught me well when it comes to Legend Trips events about helping people interpret evidence. He's like, it's not necessarily about disproving what they found. It's more about supporting what they believe. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, it's all about that personal experience. Mm -hmm. And what better personal experience than a haunted object? <laughs> You're pushing that again, aren't you? It's a, it's a great cover. I love it. Okay. I love it. I do. Fine. Yeah. Well, that's what's good about an object is because it, it gives you the opportunity to have something tactile, something that you can hold on to. And it creates, uh, if, if it's going to be in relationship to your ghost, well, then that's a ghost that you can pass on. Mm -hmm. So it's not just something that happens to you one time as an experience or, or happens to you in one location, but it's something that you can bring with you, something you can show off, something that you can give to someone else and, and hopefully pass the ghost along with it. Mm -hmm. So... Uh Hopefully. You, you believe that <laughs> you believe that objects can be haunted. Then I believe that objects can uh, have an energy attached to them. I think that uh, it's up to the spirit whether or not they decide to stay related to the object. I think a lot of times the object is just kind of the avatar for the haunting. Mm -hmm. Whereas <laughs> opposed to some people who research haunted objects, they feel like spirits become permanently attached against their own will. I don't see in my mind any way that a spirit could be stuck attached to an object against their will. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So anyways, uh, if anybody wants to um, ask a question of uh, Tim or uh, the blondie here, uh, they can go to uh, the Tojinut or Pararex chat room and uh, log in and ask questions. Yeah, right? hop in our yeah. chat room. So and we have Maddie faithfully over there waiting to get your questions, mm -hmm. and uh, she will let us know. <laughs> Hi, Maddie. <laughs> so anyways, um, Tim... Of all the objects that are in that book, and there's quite a few, which is the one that really stood out the most for you? Well, out of all the stories, and, and some of them are stories that I know the people that were involved with them. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them are stories that happened to me directly. Uh, Chris and I decided that we couldn't really talk about haunted objects without sharing our own personal experiences. That's a good idea. So we did that to some degree, too. But I think the one that creeped me out the most was the one that I brought into my house, and that would be Claire the Haunted Doll. Uh, a listener of the Spooky South Coast program, Jill, lives down in Georgia, 
and she told me this story when I put out online that I was looking for stories of haunted objects. She said, well, let me tell you this story about this doll from when I was a kid. And apparently what happened was there was an older woman that her mother was friends with that brought her this doll, but didn't bother to tell her that this doll had been appearing and disappearing all around her house, <laughs> including she never even knew where it came from. She just opened up a closet one day and it was there. Oh, my God. And she lived literally on a site where there was a horrible train accident many, many decades before. So she thinks that one of the spirits from that train accident had attached itself to this doll that suddenly appeared out of nowhere. And she had all these creepy experiences with the doll. So what does she do? She gives it to the kid down the street. Nice. And then Jill had her her experiences with it. And some of the stories she was telling me uh, from the fact that uh, whenever it was in her room, it would... Yeah, that's Jill the doll right oh, there. Actually, I mean, Claire the doll right there. Claire can we, the can doll. we zoom in on that? Well, I don't know. We can. Sure, we can. We can do anything. And this is East Bridgewater. This doll would sit in that rocking chair, and she would wake up and see that the doll's head had turned. And the doll's head is actually sewn onto the body. It's one of those porcelain dolls. Oh, yeah. So the neck doesn't turn. But uh-huh. yet it was able to maneuver its head one way or another. Oh, and one night it actually set off, Jill collected music boxes, uh-huh. and it set off every music box in the room all at once. Oh, my God. Uh, so that was enough for her. She put it in a closet and forgot about it. Well, wow. she went to her mom's house and dug it out, mm-hmm. found that it was there, and sent it to me. So I had it in my house for a couple of months, and some things happened. I can't I can't say for sure that it was so definitely... What? I mean, you just can't say some things happened. <laughs> things happened in everybody's house. I can't say for sure that it was, uh, that it was related to the doll, but yeah. uh, the first... Day that I got her in the mail, she arrived UPS. Uh-huh. And as I, I was leaving to go do uh, a, a sports show that I do for the newspaper where I work, and we do a little web show with webcams and everything, and so I brought the doll in with me because I'm responsible for this doll that's probably worth some money because it's a porcelain doll. Right, yeah. And so I put it on the table at the very end of where we were filming, and all of a sudden, for the first time ever, our webcam started going all crazy. Mm. And we would get these strange, you know, uh, bars coming through the, the cameras that never happened before or since. And then uh, I would be in my home office working on the book with the doll behind me sitting on a shelf. And there would be temperature fluctuations in the room. I would look and all of a sudden, I never turn the heat on in that room uh, because it's a different zone. So I'll use a space heater because I don't want to heat the whole zone right. just for this right. room. Yeah. Uh, so I'll use a space heater. And then all of a sudden I'd go in there and the heat would be turned up. Because <laughs> apparently the doll was Claire cold. was cold. Yeah, so she wanted to have more. To, so these kind of little strange things would happen, and uh, nothing like that ever happened. Once I gave her back to Jill, Jill actually came up for a Legend Trips event at the Lizzie Borden Bed and Breakfast. We brought her into uh, Jill, and we brought her into the Lizzie Borden house, and nothing happened while she was there either. But now she resides uh, in Georgia with some friends of Jill who I believe are voodoo practitioners, and oh. they, they take very good care of her now. Wow, wow. Well, that's a great place for her, I think. (laughs) Hey, it's whatever they want to do, as long as it's not bothering me. There you go. That's a really interesting story. That is amazing. And there's so many, I mean, dolls seem to be... Why dolls? Yeah, dolls seem freaky. um, I mean, how many stories have you heard about haunted dolls? Mm -hmm. We talked about Robert the doll, and Robert's in this book Mm -hmm. as well. It's in my book as well. Robert the doll, he's uh, in Key West. uh, Yes. Right? And then... Wait, oh, wait, he's in, yes, he's in Ghost of Day. Ghost of Day. Hi, Ron Kolek. There you go. There it there is. There you go. There you am. Ghost of Day. <laughs> that big book. There it is. Um, but anyway, so we have Robert, and then we have um, Annabelle. Annabelle. Uh, There's lots who of Who is them. a big uh, Raggedy Ann kind of doll. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
I could get, I couldn't, the clip must be haunted because I couldn't get it to load for the show tonight. Um, but I mean, the dolls just seem to. I have to tell you a funny story. You know, you know the Sprague Mansion, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. One time, uh, oh, many years ago, we were doing this live broadcast. Uh, there was a American team. We were the American team. We were at the Sprague Mansion. This was on Halloween, by the way. Oh, of course. So we were broadcasting there. Uh, Aust- Haunted Australia was broadcasting this a theater in Australia. Of course, it was morning there, and, right. and it was, uh, you know, that's why they picked the theater because it was dark. Mm-hmm. And then Haunted Devon, which was a UK team, was broadcasting. Oh right, I remember out that. Of, yeah. uh, out of England, and of course they're five hours earlier, so they were like, we have it. So, anyways, at the Sprague Mansion, they have a doll room, right, Tim? Oh. And. Uh, so we had set up the cameras and everything else, and we had sent Clay, our tech manager, in to uh, check them out, the cameras and so forth. He's in there, and all the dolls there. And all of a sudden, we see Clay going over, touching a doll like this, and he goes, ah! <laughs> Jim, come here! It moved! <laughs> nice. I'm sure Clay will appreciate yeah, you relaying sure. that story. I have a video of it, so it's actually cool. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't bring it in for this uh, one. Well, dolls. Well, I think the dolls are prone to have spirits attached to them because, for one thing, they are, for the most part, they're objects that are beloved. So if somebody passes on, they probably have a doll that they loved, that they held on to. I mean, even women who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, they still have dolls from when they were uh, children or they try to collect dolls. I know some men has got dolls. Hey, that's, that works too. Uh, whatever. Just a little bit different kind of doll. <laughs> and uh, so the <laughs> different kind of ghost. Nice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so they they have. Uh, Where's mine? Nowhere. Okay. Uh, mine was the same place. Okay. Uh, but you know, so I think <laughs> for that reason, I think a lot of dolls will have spirits attached to them. And another reason is because dolls creep people out, mm-hmm. and naturally, even without spirits attached to them. So I think right. that spirits that want to uh, be recognized will attach themselves to dolls because people are fundamentally going to go to a doll and be like, mm-hmm. right? are you alive? <laughs> are you alive? You know, so it gives them kind of a, some, something that they can be attached to that will get attention. Yeah, that's mm. true. And my, you know, my mother-in-law, uh, Lorraine, who, God rest her soul, um, had, had a little china doll, you know, with the cloth body, the china head, and it's a baby doll, and it sat in a chair, always mm-hmm. in her house and uh, my daughter Alexis has it and she always just um, she feels a close bond with her grandmother is it what you know um, not that I know of she doesn't mm-hmm. move around or anything but you I, know. I can tell you when I was a kid uh, and there used to be I, th- I don't even remember the name of the doll manufacturer I think it was Schmidt or something like that was mm-hmm. they had a, a company store a factory store not that far from here and my mom and grandmother used to go and buy dolls there all the time. Mm-hmm. So my mother had probably 30 porcelain dolls that she oh, would place wow. onto her bed every morning and then take off at night when she went to bed. So oh I, I grew up <laughs> having to be freaked out by dolls every single day. Uh, and I swear that some of those moved or blinked or, or whatever. But well, uh, some of them did have the eyes that moved, you know, in yeah. later years. Yeah, and they would have the, the, the eyes that would go up and down, and they would oh, just go up and yeah, down yeah. for no reason. Yeah, so. creepy. Mm. Yeah, that is creepy. So, I mean, if you have a clown doll, then you're really screwed, right? Um, oh, yeah. I don't even bring up clowns. I man. think so, yeah. <laughs> I actually had a clown lamp when I was a kid. That scared the Jesus out of me, and I actually smashed it. Oh, really? And, and my mom made it in like a ceramic class. 
Oh, nice. And she brought it home, and <laughs> for years it creeped me out. So finally I just took it outside, I smashed it with a hammer, and I threw it in the dumpster, really? uh, the neighborhood where we lived. That's and, what I think, Mom. Not well, long after. Bruce, you know, I've been keeping an eye on you. <laughs> not long after, it reappeared in the house, as if nothing ever Seriously? happened. Yes, it freaked me out, You man. smashed it, and I, it reappeared. And, and, it just, and you swear on this, Steve. I swear on you it. You swear it on my it, book. I swear <laughs> on your book that it actually happened. That's Because tense. my mom made another one at her next grandma's <laughs> place. But didn't bother it. to tell me that she did. Oh. All right, Mom. I love your mom. <laughs> so, speaking of dolls. That's great. Yeah, tell us about your creepy doll. So, Tim, you like this doll? I do. I like that very much. Yeah. So, what do you? What, what's your opinion of this doll? She's creepy. She's very creepy. And why is she creepy? She looks like a vampire. It's me. just a plain, uh, you know, it's got the little, what's that, porcelain or something? I don't know what that is. It could be plastic. But uh, it's a little doll. It feels like, a, you know, it's a painted porcelain. Yeah, I picked yeah. it up uh, in a secondhand store. I can see uh, you doing that, yes. Yeah, and uh, it's been one with me ever since. But nobody li likes it. I can't have it in my house. My wife won't let me well, put it in the house. Well, she's not really attractive. What, my wife? Oh. oh. You know, I do the same thing, though. I go to, to antique stores, or I'll, I'll, I love to go to, like, you know, Salvation Army thrift stores. Oh, yeah. or, yep. or I do, too. I love those Flea places. markets, yard sales, wherever I can find a deal. And, and I always ask, are any of these things haunted? Any stories attached to any of these? And it's, that's Isn't there something in your book on that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's it? Wait a minute. Let me, let me, because he has these little things that he, that he puts in here. I mean, maybe he forgot about them. I but, it has been a while. Uh, <laughs> wait a minute. Avoid dolls any size or any age. Stay away from yard sales or put anything you inhabit in the safety deposit box. Now, I only now, say, what is that? I only say stay away from yard sales so that I can get to them all first. That's right. Uh, okay, all right. In less than Westburg. It's already been we, there. we actually, there was a, a TV company, a production company, that wanted to create a television show about haunted objects. Mm -hmm. And they were going to have Chris and I be the stars of the show. And they yeah, actually, but didn't they do, oh. do that with Zephyrus? Well, this was supposed to be, you know, when, whenever character. anything becomes popular, somebody else has to copy it. Oh, true. So this was their kind of their copycat version. So they flew Chris up from Florida. And oh, the idea cool. was that the two of us would go to all these places and look at these haunted items. And so one of the things that we did is we went to a, a flea market in the town where I live and we're walking around trying to find anything, anything. that has a story. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Get out of here. And finally, we <laughs> talked to somebody who said that they had a, uh, do you remember those dolls that they used to put over when you had, in the old days, before we had cabinets in our bathrooms, we used to put the extra roll of the toilet paper on top of the table. Yes. I don't My know grandmother always had one of those. The doll with the crocheted crochet dress the that skirt. goes over the yes. toilet. Yes. So there was um, there was one of those there, and oh, it no. had a tag on it that said $5, but I didn't say anything. So we walk over there, we're looking at it, she's telling us the story, and she's giving us everything that we need to, to kind of you know go on camera with the story. And so finally, the, the idea of the show is that Chris and I are supposed to be buying these items. So I say to her at the very end, all right, well, how much is it? And she looks at me and she says, it's $15. And I was like, $15? It says $5. But because she attached the ghost story oh, to it, she upped it $10. Suddenly we were went up in price. Yeah, so that's, and that's what happens when you go on eBay and you look up haunted items. Yeah. You know, you find out people are taking run-of-the-mill junk, making up a ghost story to go with it, and charging you two or three times as much as okay. it's worth. Why not? That brings me up to our next thing. And Anne is going to read me a little story. Oh, I'm going to read a story. So we were talking about he'll never get eBay it. items, right? Because I can't read, you know that. I know. Uh, 
So here is your little assignment. If you should okay. take it, and this is for my book goes today, All right. and it's February nineteenth, which is so close. February nineteenth of two thousand. Okay, the Jacob Funeral Home in Kokomo, Indiana. I'm not going to sing that for you. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, in 2000, a local man purchased the old Jacob Funeral Home. It was the only black-owned and operated funeral home in central Indiana. Dating back to the early 1900s, it had a strange past, and what the new owner found when he began remodeling was even stranger. In the damp basement behind some rubble was a small storeroom. This doesn't sound good. Where are we going? In it were moldy stacks of cardboard boxes labeled personal belongings. The rotting cartons contained the personal items of the deceased that were supposed to be buried with him. Oh, no. Oh, them. <laughs> with them. But somehow got misplaced. They contained a variety of items from wedding bands to children's stuffed toys and always a photograph of the person who died. As the remodeling progressed, a series of strange events afflicted the building. Lights and water faucets would turn on and off by themselves. Whispers could be heard echoing in the halls. And the sound of a high-pitched drilling noise sound emanated from the basement where the boxes had been found. But the creepiest experience of all was the black shadows lurking in the corners, darting back and forth through the building. A minister was called in for a blessing, but things only deteriorated. <laughs> Psychics refused to enter the building, and heavy and sullen moods began to affect its inhabitants. Sounds like my house. Finally, <laughs> the owner decided to sell the items found in the basement on eBay. And the reason why? With hopes that the ghosts would go with them. There you go. Nice. That might be fine for him, but what about the purchaser? So what do you think? Wow. So guess what? That's pretty crappy. Guess what? <laughs> what? I bought one. You bought one? I bought you, one of those You were one of those things. suckers, yep. I mean purchasers? Dead Williams stuff, dead woman stuff from the haunted funeral home. I bought it. Oh and I have God. it with me right here. Oh, my God. And, and this includes three items okay. from this mystery box that I bought. All right. And maybe I should let... Let Tim hold them. Hold it. Yeah, in case there's something <laughs> on it. So let me take that out of there. Tim... First of all, Tim, and this is the woman who is actually dead. Let's uh, let's put her the right way. <laughs> Respect for the dead. No, she's buried upside down. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was buried upside down. <laughs> she's, I'm a Satanist. <laughs> so, Tim, I mean, you look at the picture. I have a little thing I like to call psychometry or photo scrying. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, what do you get from looking at that? Thank <laughs> you.
snowy really yes and huh. it just went back to normal okay almost like energy the was tv released. was on well the camera we were recording oh, this oh, oh okay recording? oh i forgot right. you're blowing yeah the camera so the monitor is what he meant to say not the tv what is, that up, is that up on the, the technical the, jargon the, 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 the take that was in the damn thing all right that was good he's a very technical person so right, you were actually you were running videotape at the time we videotaped the thing <laughs> so it was the videotape that actually so it almost like imprinted itself upon the videotape so you saw it so you would just like we're seeing your face on tv now all of a sudden as soon as the box opened it went just like that and instrumental transcommunication it was pretty cool there you go so can objects be haunted? I mean, that could be. Is that energy retained? Now, did I believe that energy? I mean, I've had uh, old Phyllis here with me for quite a while, mm -hmm. and and people say, "Well, that's horrid. Why would you keep her?" But I actually keep her in a place of honor. I was saying, I don't think that's yeah. hard at all. I think you're honoring her memory. Yeah. I, that's exactly because it's otherwise she'd be that moldy box. Yeah. So anyway, tossing the stuff in the trash. That's one of the stories on the that about haunted objects, and and I noticed another thing in there too. You talk about Cars. Cars are something that have a very uh, high frequency of hauntings associated with them because people love their cars. Mm -hmm. People take care of them. They put every single extra ounce of energy they have into taking care of that car. So it's not uncommon for them to attach themselves. But there's been some very famous cars, too, uh, including the James Dean car, which uh, was supposedly cursed. I don't know if I believe in curses, necessarily. So what's the difference between curse and, and a haunting? Though? That's something that we actually debated quite a bit when we were putting together the book. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you know that it's something that's associated with the item? Mm -hmm. And how do you know that it's something that's associated with the person that owned the item? Uh, and I just ended up going with the belief that I just don't believe in curses. So if I don't believe in them, then I can't believe that an item is cursed. Mm -hmm. uh, but we did have an interesting story about, uh, about a haunted fish doll, but we can save that for later. A fish doll? Oh, yeah. A fish stick? It's a it's a little doll. It's it's uh, some Portuguese or Brazilian voodoo oh. associated with it. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, but get, getting back to cars. Okay. Uh, I'll just tease that a little bit. So All right. Can, That's fine. Uh, but uh, <laughs> get me hungry. When it, I know I could go for a fish doll Goldfish. right about now. <laughs> but when it comes to cars, uh, it, if you think about it, a lot of the places that we investigate are places that have a lot of energy spent there. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we always talk about how schools are haunted because kids always give off so much extra energy. A lot of haunted amusement parks because people have so much energy that they give off there. Uh, so it's not uncommon then with a car too because whether it is a car that you love or whether it's a car like the one that I just pretty much buried that I couldn't stand anymore after <laughs> driving for five years and falling apart, you know, these become a focal point of your life. And they become a focal point of your energy. So right. that's why I'm, I'm not surprised with cars. What I find to be the most interesting about a lot of these car stories is when the car changes ownership, mm -hmm. the spirits don't usually go along with them. 
Oh, for the most part, usually really? it's just when the family retains the car. So, if, you know, if someone that that's not true with with the uh, spider of Jimmy James Dean, right? No, a lot of these, you know, the, these uh, more famous cases, the spirits have stayed attached to them. But I mean, I recently heard a story about someone whose uncle had passed away, left him his old, I think it was a Chevy '74 Chevy Nova uh, that he'd driven every day, and he was well maintained. He took care of it, uh, but towards the end of his life, he hadn't really been able to take care of it because he was sick and, and he couldn't do the work. So he, when he died, the nephew inherited it, parked it in his driveway, and he didn't do anything with it either. And he started putting it on Craigslist, trying to get somebody to buy it. And then he had a, a, a dream one night where the uncle came to him and said, you need to fix the car, fix the car, fix the car. So he went out there and he fixed the car, and then the next day it sold on Craigslist. So ah, it's well. just... You know, just kind of like a little omen, maybe a little little visitation to nudge him in the right direction. Right, right. Really? My, I had a girlfriend, actually. You had a girlfriend? Who swears uh, that she had a haunted car. Uh, and I, I forget what make and model it was, but was her husband loved old classic cars. Mm-hmm. So it was one of them, and she, it would happen all the time. Like, she'd, she'd go to the store you know, like a Cumberland Farms or something, just park in front, didn't lock the car or anything. She was just going in and uh, come out, all the doors are locked. And it would happen repeatedly to the point where she just, she said to her husband, I'm not going to drive this car anymore. Either get rid of it, get me something else to drive. Uh, and, it, and it just constantly happened to her. That, so, would, that would irritate me. I just purchased, I think, my 16th car. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I used to have wow. this thing when I was younger where if a car broke, I didn't fix it. I just threw it away. <laughs> these are back in the days when you could go and buy a $200 car off the side of the road, right. and it would get you by for a while. Yeah. And so that's what I always did. Why well, spend $400 on a part when I can just buy a $200 car off the side of the road? So <laughs> I had a lot of cars when I was younger. And uh, so I, I recently bought this car, but I was thinking about it. And every one of those cars that I bought off the side of the road, they could have an energy attached to them from the previous owner, from the owner from before them, and and the fact that none of that ever manifested, or maybe it did, maybe that's why they broke. I remember uh, watching a documentary when I was younger. It was called My Mother the Car, and (laughs) the the mother would go through the car radio and and talk to the people. Oh. That was a true story with uh, uh, Jerry Jerry Van Dyke's mom, right? Yeah, I believe it was Jerry Van Dyke's mom. But speaking about I cars, there's another uh, mode of transportation that is also have uh, uh, stories attached to it. And I think we have a clip, uh, Russ, I think, uh, of Flight 401. So we can do? we play that uh, clip for us, please? In December 1971, a Lockheed TriStar, Flight 401, crashed in the Florida Everglades. It seems that some of its spare parts were used in other planes. Subsequently, there was a series of ghostly sightings of Flight 401's captain, Robert Loft, and second officer, Dan Repo, on several Eastern Airlines flights. Loft and Repo seemed to be trying to warn the flight crew about safety hazards. They had been unaware of the fault which had led to the crash of their TriStar. Had this disaster preyed so heavily on the spirits of the dead airmen that they were watching over the aircraft which contained the spare parts from Flight 401? Anyway, so that, by the way, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ann Kerrigan, Ron Kolick, and our special guest is Tim, Tim, uh, Spooky South Coast, and... Uh, Weisberg? I always call him Weisberg. Tim Weisberg. Weisberg. 
Is it Weisberg? It is Weisberg, yes. Well, how did I screw it up before? Uh, well, we, we've been talking for quite a few years, Ron, and you've screwed it up in every way possible. You could <laughs> screw up anybody's name. Oh, uh, my Lord. I don't take it personally, though. I'm used to it. Thank uh, God. Spooky South Coast uh, and SpookySouthCoast.com. Mm -hmm. yep. How do you like that? There you go. Yeah, That's there you all that matters. It doesn't matter if you know my name, as long as you know the name of the show. <laughs> <That's> so, <right. laughs> any, anyways, th this, this piece that we couldn't hear but we did see was about Flight 401, and that's in your book, and it's also in my book as well. So, I mean, what do you... Do you want to give the backstory behind that? Uh, I think Chris wrote that chapter, actually, to be honest All with right, you. I'll give the backstory oh. behind it. But this is a, a flight that I actually remembered. It was a Flight 401, of course, and it crashed into the Everglades in Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, there were co-pilot and the navigator, no, wait a minute, the pilot and the navigator died in, in the crash. And they've made a couple of movies over I it. I thought everybody died in the crash. No, no, not no. even close. It was on Christmas. Uh, there's a good story about how they, they sang carols, at the crash site where they were being rescued. Oh, and all this. It's a good okay. movie. Check it out sometime. Uh, Flight 401. But anyways, um, those two guys died. And then, strangely enough, uh, that same aircraft in the fleet, mm -hmm. being, people would see the, the pilot or the navigator. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't figure out what was going on. And then they did further research and so forth. And they found out... That what they did is they used parts from the, the plane, and the navigator and the, the pilot was actually uh, trying to warn the people, uh, or the flight crews, mm -hmm. of uh, you know danger because of they were using used flights. So that's the story behind it. It's kind of a, a cool story. When they took the supposedly when they took the parts out of service, all the hauntings stopped. So I mean, there, there's a thing. We have a plane now that was haunted, and so. Is a plane, a plane an object? Okay, so we we, mm -hmm. we talked about dolls, right? And then we jumped up to cars, which was a bigger object, and then the planes. Okay, so isn't the next thing a house? So we're really talking all about the same thing, really. It, haunted it, houses, haunted planes, haunted cars, haunted objects. I've started to think about that as being a, a possibility. You know, we always say when it comes to haunted locations, or at least I always say, you know, it's not necessarily the house. It could be the land. Mm -hmm. well, that's why when people say, well, you know, I tore down the old house, I was here, and I built a new house, but the ghosts are still here. Well, that's because it's the land that's haunted, not necessarily the house. Uh, but when you hear stories of people who have moved houses mm -hmm. and the ghost travels with them, uh, you know, then it was, well, maybe it's attached to the actual house itself. Uh, and I've heard of cases before where people have uh, not only moved the house, but you know, add it on, do do all kinds of different alterations to it, so it doesn't even look like the same house anymore. And still, the spirit activity persists. Mm -hmm. So maybe it can just look at that as another object. Mm -hmm. uh, but maybe too, it could be a situation where the house has the right factors to kind of record and and hold in that energy. Whereas mm -hmm. a lot of these other objects don't have that. You know, you don't have a a, a stone foundation in uh, you know in a car that could hold in the spirit like a house can. Mm -hmm. So do you think that some materials are more, uh, what's the word, recordable than others? Yeah, some, I mean, if you look at uh, especially, uh, you know, field stone that has a high amount of quartz, the right. quartz can hold in the energy. That's why you hear a lot of stories about, I, at least in my opinion, about haunted watches that are passed down from one generation to another. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that's because a lot of these watches will have quartz in them, and that's able to kind of record and hold in the energy. That's why we use quartz. That's watches. I thought you were saying washers. 
No, no. It, although, although my washer may be haunted. Okay, yeah, I know my end. Every, uh, every time I turn it on, I just scream. hear something down there. Yeah, there's something screaming in my end. I, I definitely think mine is haunted as well. But, mm. You know, there's, there's certain materials that seem to be uh, more conducive to activity and, and actually conductive of activity. Mm -hmm. So I think that those items are probably, you know, like uh, jewelry. You know, a lot of stories about haunted jewelry because those stones probably have the right frequency uh, to be able to assist so, in the I mean, haunting. that's the, th the cool thing about why you do it, I think, and why I do it, is that we don't really know all the parameters of what's going right. on. I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, the idea of recording things, but then again, we're talking about soft dolls, and, and yet that's cloth, and they wouldn't really, you know, quads, no nothing in that, and yet mm -hmm. there seems to be an energy attached to it. So there's probably different types of energies, I guess. Right, that's, that's why I think a lot of these items, it's the spirit choosing to be attached to it, as opposed to other items where it could get kind of trapped and associated mm -hmm. with it against its will. We have a uh, question from our chat room. Really? Uh, you can we read do. I, I can. Mm -hmm. I can. I have to tuck down a little bit. Okay. Uh, Sailing Cat would like to know, I wonder why sailors and pilots all have folklores of ghost ships. Oh, ghost ships. That's one yeah. of my favorite. Yeah. Well, I mean, when it comes to ships, you know, we talk about one of the biggest conductors for paranormal activity is water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's why when we look at locations that we think are haunted, we always look at, is there running water nearby? Uh, because that can be a positive ion charge that will help amp up the activity. So I think when you're on the water, you're having a lot of that amplification of the energy. Uh, and then the other reason why I think there's a lot of ghost ships out there is because there, it's just a lot of ships passing through all the time. So that energy imprint is going to be left behind. Just because you see a ship that's a ghost ship off in the distance, it doesn't mean that it's a ship that disappeared or sunk. It could just be the recorded leftover energy of the ship that made oh, that, that voyage. So it, it's not an intelligent haunting as, as, as so much as a residual haunting. Right. I, I look at it almost, uh, what, what's a good way to put this? Um, hmm. I, there's, there's certain times that I think a haunting is really just nothing more than uh, leftover spent energy. Okay. So uh, no different than, say, the, the, the contrails behind an airplane. Right. You know you know that there was an airplane there because you're seeing the leftover residue. Right. And I think that that's kind of what this is. It's the leftover discharge of, of that object in motion. I mean, that's the yeah, cool thing. Great, we, don't, we don't know about all of this stuff. It's so cool. We, we have our theories, but mm -hmm. right, and that's, that's all it is. I mean, because a lot of people will tell you, okay, so a lot of your hauntings are just time slips. You know, I know Jeff is writing, doing something with time, so mm -hmm. if he has, hasn't already. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you're, you're just going into another time. You're peering into time. Right. So we see a person standing there. We're just seeing another time. We're not, that person really isn't there. It's, right. Yeah. And I, I take a lot of flack from people in the paranormal because uh, <laughs> I will stand up and tell people, giving presentations, I'll start off with saying, I don't think a ghost is a dead person. I don't think it's the soul of somebody who's no longer with us. I think most of the ghosts that we encounter are things that we've created on our own. I think that they're thought forms that we have Ooh, put into fun. existence. Uh, for example, you know, if you go to a place like the Lizzie Boyden Bed and Breakfast, then you would assume that that place would be haunted because of the grisly murders that happened there. And if enough people go there and talk repeatedly about the murders and talk about it being haunted, well, then it's going to become haunted. Mm -hmm. you know, if you look back to the, to the Philip experiment of the 1970s, uh, they created a ghost by creating so this, this backstory. This is the haunted house experiment, right? This was the... The one in uh, Canada? Yes, the Toronto Society yeah. for Psychical yeah. Research. And, and they all sat around a table. They wrote out this story. They created this character. 
and then had mm-hmm. a seance in which they were able to connect with the spirit that they mm-hmm. had completely made up, and it verified all the information. And we've seen that happen again and again in the paranormal, uh, where people have pieced together backstories, and then we get that information later. You know, as well as I do, that not every psychic that you're going to take on an investigation is reliable, or not every psychic is going to get the same impression. Right. You know, some of them are going to get. Sometimes right. they can get cross exactly. impressions that they they're attributing to something. Uh, they're trying to make a narrative out of what they're perceiving. So when that information comes down, to have people come back and record EVPs related to that, uh, to rec- to have other types of data that go along with that same story, but the genesis of the story is still false. Well, then that, to me, looks as, as something that we've created by feeding into that story. Right. And, That's really you know, interesting. I, actually, I did an experiment uh, on that, actually. Um, as you know, Tim, I work with Maureen Wood, who's a transmedium. Mm-hmm. And um, there's this place, which Chris Belzano knows very well. Uh, it's Dudley Road in Berica. 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 Anyways, um, there's all kinds of stories about it, right? And um, a lot of them, well... Just about all of them aren't true. Okay, <laughs> seriously, they're always just about all of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just you know, every everything about a you know a sanatorium in the woods, a house that sank. Oh in, right. Yeah. Uh, none that was urban legend. Yeah, it's all urban that, legend. All, right, all yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris has mm-hmm. investigated it, and I have investigated it. In fact, I think we worked together a couple of times on a on a program on this, and they were all not true. And I took Maureen there, who had never heard about this place at all. Okay. So she is a trans medium, as I said. So we started going down there, and I expected her to come up with stuff that maybe wasn't anything close to it. She started coming up with all the legends. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm she saying... She was unaware of them. Totally unaware of them, okay? You have to trust me on that. Okay. Um, so she's coming up with all, all the information that is the legend, the urban legend. Where did it come from? Is the, the area... Uh, being, you know, is that energy being created by those who have gone there? You know, the young kids saying, okay, I've gone, I heard about this, let's oh, go right. check it out. Yeah. You know, and so oh, the thought be. wave, yeah. is, as Tim is talking about. There's a, a great line from a great movie. Have you ever seen The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance? Yes, many times. And, and the line becomes fact, print the legend. And that seems to be the way that a lot of these stories end up going, is uh, they become the story. Even if it's not true, they become what's assumed to be true. <clears throat> Excuse me. We've also of, often talked on Spooky South Coast about creating a legend, making up a, a, an urban legend, start to finish, top to bottom, putting it out on the airwaves is true, and then seeing if we get reports coming back of people going out and exploring that legend. We've talked about it pretty much since the beginning, and we always go back and forth with, well, is it responsible mm. to do that, to, to put this story out there? Will it affect people's trust in us? Uh, and we think that now in our ninth year that maybe we can get away with it <laughs> at some point. So we're probably going to try it out. And nobody will know when, when it comes and when it happens. And then we'll just sit back and see, you know, maybe give it a year or two for the stories to roll in and then tell everyone it's, it's not true. We were able to, <laughs> I mean, we pulled off a War of the Worlds show once where uh, we actually did uh, an entire, it was our first ever live Halloween show. And because the War of the Worlds broadcast happened on Halloween, we said, well, why not try it ourselves? So we had actually planned it all out kind of that day. (laughs) And we came up with this whole big story of Matt Moniz going down to investigate this UFO that had been seen close to the ground in New Jersey. 
We had him calling in from New Jersey when in actuality he was in his living room. Uh, and, and we created this whole story and we were able to pull it off where people were actually calling in believing that it was true. Oh, no. And we ended the, the show with government agents knocking on the window telling us they were cutting off, off the broadcast. <laughs> And so we cut the broadcast and then went immediately into the original War of the Worlds broadcast. And that's when people started to go, oh. So we figure if we can get away with that, we could probably get away with the urban legend cool. stuff. Wow. Besides, I know that that War of the Worlds was false because um, it was really uh, yeah. the convicts from Planet X in the Buckaroo Bounds Eye series. All right. Okay. we got a couple questions. Oh, we do. We've got to get it because yes. we're running out of time. Yes, we are running out of time. Mm -hmm. um, we had, I think it was Nyla. Also, AKA Patsy, was that right? Okay. Uh, wanted to know um, people who have received transplanted organs. Ooh, that's a um, good one. I know, I know, it's really kind of creepy, creepy um, being haunted, you know, from these organs. I don't know that I've ever heard of you know that. What? I mean, I think I've. You know what? See that? Uh, hey, this is public action. No, seriously. Put that finger <laughs> down. Uh, look at, okay. Put it the other way, I, yeah. I had actually cut my finger off. Totally up. And in, in, in here, in here, yeah. is cadaver bone. Ah, well, there you go. So you're talking that about explains it all. Oh, explains it. So if I'm giving you the finger, it's really not me, okay? <laughs> it's somebody else. Nice. But uh, what do you think about that? Well, I've heard stories of people who had organs put into them that would see the reflection of the person in the mirror of Ooh. who donated the organ to them. Uh, wow. You know, but usually the stories that you hear, it's always something positive. It's never like they're being haunted and, and, and being plagued by whoever it was that owned these organs previously. It's always kind of like a little bit of a, just a connection between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you even hear some stories of people who end up gaining people's memories uh, as oh. a result of it, too, which I think is fascinating. Yeah. That is cool. That yeah. is very interesting. So you have one more? Uh, we have one more question. Sailing Cat would also like to know if astronauts have ever had ghost story experiences from space. Have you ever heard With of all that? The radiation and stuff. Actually, I have on the X Files. Oh wow! Well. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's the X Files. Okay, fine. I, I, yeah, who knows? Who I, knows? I, I don't know if there's been a lot of uh, astronaut-related ghost stories. Uh, I have read some of the fringe science stuff where they've said, like when they went to the moon, they got mm -hmm. a feeling like like something had been there before. Yeah. But I think it's more it's UFO alien-related than it is ghosts. <laughs> Ron Kolek, on the moon. To the moon, Ron. There's a lot of stories out there, uh, but, you know, I, I actually believe, I think someone saw something, but the, uh, if you're in space, they tend to go towards the alien side. So right. it yeah, may right. very well have been spirit energy yeah, or, or yeah, something. Yeah. But, but if, if you look at what we think are the scientific factors for ghosts here on Earth, mm -hmm. you would have to think that out in space you would have the same type of uh, you know, reasons only in abundance because right. now you're you're operating in a vacuum where, you know, right. you, you can just have all of these uh, all these factors without the earthly limitations that we have down here. So, if if we think that certain chemical is, reactions is there really are, is there really limitations? We don't know. That's the thing. I think the biggest limitation to a haunting is the people that are perceiving it. I think it's their own mind shutting down to the possibility. That hurts. I honestly believe that paranormal activity happens everywhere. There's no such thing as a haunted house. Activity can happen anywhere. Just certain places have those factors to make it so that we can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. That's why you have somebody who has psychic abilities, mediumship abilities, who don't have those barriers that can experience it everywhere. Right. Can, and, I, can I tell my haunted item oh, story? Oh, yes, before we lose it, before yes. We, before we leave. Okay, this is, uh, this my, is good. This is good. Now, my sister-in-law, Terry, um, 
her husband used to work for like a trucking company and a lot of times they'd get these trucks and they'd be like stuff left in them that they just you know take out and you know sometimes they take it home so this one time stray is where I got the jacket so one time her husband Bill came home with this quilt that had been left in a box in the back of one of these trucks so it was a nice quilt and Terry took it out and she put it on the quilt rack in their bedroom and they started having just really odd things happen this happened in Hanson Mass I was in Hanson Mass and from that day forward just crazy stuff happened footsteps on the stairs crazy dreams of someone from the she swears it was the quilt walking around the bed she'd feel like someone was standing there watching her just crazy stuff started to happen in the house and she took the quilt at one point in time and finally I don't know whether she packed it away I think she got rid of it and it stopped it stopped but although years later it did kick up again when it makes sense so if you think about a quilt People put a lot of work and a lot of effort into a quilt. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not, it's, 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 a, I mean, I, I never realized it. Was it was an older quilt, too, like a handmade. And somebody sat there and they sewed every square of that, yeah. pieced it all together, and they probably put a lot of time and love into creating it. And then somebody probably got it as a gift, mm-hmm. and they probably loved it and, and cherished it for years, too. So it would make sense that, uh, that it might have something attached to it. Yeah. Right. I yeah. want to mention one other thing. We were talking about energy and, and how we create energy sometimes with our own thing. Um, this hat I get on, this silly oh, hat, yeah, the hat, is is from the Hope <laughs> Mansion, and uh, it's a Mason's hat, by the way. Everybody thinks it's a train conductor or I know, it does, or it does. But it's a Mason's hat. hat. But the interesting thing is, we were the first ones ever to investigate the Hooten Mansion, and we got in there. We, you know, we had certain feelings, certain whatever. Okay, whatever we picked up there, we recorded and so forth. But since then, of course.